Um, so we've, we've had this series on positive testing. Um, I love those sort of kind of exam paper kind of things that you, you uh, sometimes get. I came across a few. Um, there was on an English paper, and the question was, um, complete the sentences below with an active verb jump or drive or, or swim. And then below on the exam paper it had, I like to, colon, line, I like to, I like to, I like to. So four options. And one child, and this is going to date me, uh, put, I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it. Yeah. <laughs> Another, another exam paper, another test. Someone said, uh, uh, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune have three things in common. What are they? And the person wrote, they're all planets, they're all round, and none of them have McDonald's. <laughs> and the history paper, where the question was, what ended in 1896? Anyone guess what they wrote? 1895. <laughs> So our series, and it comes in, obviously, it's the beginning of, of Holy Week, beginning of the Easter week, uh, we come to an end on this positive testing. We've been thinking about what it means to stand firm and be on the front foot in God's, in God's work. And we're looking at that particularly as we, as we think about Jesus on that first Palm Sunday. And one writer says that on Palm Sunday, and some of us, I reckon this is the 60th time I've celebrated Palm Sunday um, in my life, and many of you will have celebrated many times. Others of you, fresh to this. One writer said, despair and hope travel together. That's on the screen. Despair and hope travel together on Palm Sunday. Jesus, as we've been thinking through this series, is overcoming, and he's fighting against, and he's fighting for something really significant. And I just want to take us through Matthew's version of it. And I'm just going to pull out a few things. Again, many of you here know this story so well, but let's just think about it. Despair and hope um, traveling to, to, together. So here we are, Matthew 21, uh, Matthew's version, different versions, slightly different focuses. And I'm just going to read us through this and, uh, and just want to pick out some things. And maybe there might be one or two things that you haven't noticed, even though you've Maybe done it more than 60 times. So Matthew says, as they approached Jerusalem, and that's the first thing to notice, isn't it? Is we saw in the wilderness, in the temptations of Jesus, that it was deliberate. The Holy Spirit, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and then was led out into ministry. And uh, in, in Mark's gospel, for example, there's a definite turning point where Jesus has been uh, sharing in ministry and then turns towards Jerusalem. So there's no accident. It's deliberate, resolute in the face of all that's to come. Because just before the, uh, chapter 21, in chapter 20, Jesus has already said to the disciples, we're going to Jerusalem where I will be betrayed, condemned, mocked, flogged and crucified. He knows exactly what's coming. And they came to Bethurge on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll be, you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Not all the gospel writers have the, the mum and the colt together. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord's need them and he'll send them right away. Now, 
Everyone going into Jerusalem, approaching Jerusalem, the gate that that Jesus is using is on foot. They're pilgrims on foot. So again, it's deliberate to put himself up on a donkey. It elevates him above above the crowd. This is an enacted parable. It's It's a visual representation of what is going on. Every detail is significant. The colt, no one had ridden it. It's a wild animal. And yet Jesus is able to get on it the king of peace and ride it in. There's no detail that isn't significant in the Bible. Next bit, Matthew 21, Matthew continues. This took place to fulfill. I think many of you know that fulfill and fulfillment is the key Matthew word and theme. If you read through Matthew, he's constantly talking about how Jesus fulfills what is promised about the Messiah. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Matthew primarily writing for a Jewish audience. So he's saying, you know, the one that we've been waiting for, the saviour of the world, the Messiah. Look, see how many things he fulfilled. It's one of the crucial bits of things we talk on Alpha, isn't it? How Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies in his life. Statistically, mathematically, almost impossible, especially to arrange where to be born and to arrange where to die. Say to your daughter Zion, said, Isaiah, uh, said uh, Zechariah, and it's a mix of Isaiah and Zechariah. Say to your daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. The prophecy alludes to King David. We know that. The king, but the king who does not arrive like Pilate would have done. On the, on the war horse with the army. He's not going to impose his will, but he's going to offer himself. Matthew, again in chapter 20, has already highlighted Jesus saying that his way is serving. He leads by serving. Just to slightly disagree with Heli, but she did really well. By this time, donkeys were not uh, the preserve of the rich. By, by the, in, in the Old Testament, they were the, the common animal of the day. But by this day, the wealthier of, of society had actually started using a form of horse. And the donkey actually was used by the poor. Again, Jesus is deliberate in what he's chosen. The disciples, we go on, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their, their cloaks on them, for, on them for Jesus to sit on them. A very large crowd. Now, the Greek here really means huge. A huge crowd. Again, Matthew wants to say, look at the impact of Jesus. They spread their garments, recognition of promise and loyalty. As, as Heli said, the palm branches, the symbol of victory. They spread them on the road while others cut branches from the trees. Now, sometimes in in Scripture, in your Bible, the one that you're looking at, you may even find that it says the triumphal entry. But what kind of triumph is this? It's a triumph, isn't it, of humility over pride. It's a triumph of gentleness over force. It's a triumph of love. Over violence, as I said at the beginning, my brother and I using the palm the wrong way up as swords. 
And yet, here's a triumph. Now, just to gain a little detail, how many crowds were there? I've been doing this 60 years. Some of you have done it longer. How many crowds were there? The answer is possibly two. Because you've noticed, <laughs> I'm only doing this because I read about it. There's a crowd outside the gates who shout one thing and, and acclaim Jesus in one way. There's a slightly different crowd inside the gate and racially could have had quite a different mix of Judean and those who live within the city of Jerusalem. It's interesting to notice because the crowd outside may, of course, had lots of overflow into it. But we just need to be a little bit careful when we say that here they were shouting Hosanna and a week later they were shouting crucify. Was it the same people? A lot of overlap, clearly. These, this crowd are shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Thanks, Harry, you're doing really great. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, that word, as Heli said. This is the oppressed cry. This is the oppressed crowd crying for the Messiah. But notice, when Jesus entered, the city, entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Anyone able to... When else in Matthew has, a, has Jerusalem been stirred? When the kings came, when the magi visited, back, have a look back, Matthew chapter 2. Have you noticed that detail before? The last time the whole city was stirred up about King Jesus was at his birth. Matthew, every detail matters. It's clearly going to be the case that some of the crowd who shout, blessed is the, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, it's an absolute unashamed declaration of Jesus as the Messiah, are going to be shouting, crucify. The prophet from Nazareth, it's a sneer. Nothing from God could come from that obscure place. Do you remember, that's the reason that Herod wouldn't travel just down the road to see if the baby Jesus was there himself? Because nothing good comes from Nazareth. Many of you will know that if you read on in Matthew, what's going to happen next is that Jesus is going to go into the temple and he's going to overturn the money tables which are being used you know, to make money out of the pilgrims to buy the animals that they're going to sacrifice. He's going to be overturning the wrong order. J. John, an evangelist, says putting things the right way up. Despair and hope traveling together. These two crowds or this mix of crowds within the city and outside the city. Those who are seeking the wrong kind of king. Those who, who want the war horse king. Those who are unable to uh, really understand Jesus' identity. Those who are bonded, who are enslaved by religiosity. Those who are driven by hate. Those who are driven by the desire for power. Jesus is against Jesus is for those who are oppressed and cry out. 
He's the only one, says one commentator, who's not mad. He's despised. He's rejected. He's going to be abused. He's going to be mocked. mocked. He's going to be flogged by a battalion of Roman soldiers. He's going to be executed using the most horrible version of execution and torture that's been invented, created. And yet, in obedience and humility and in fulfillment of God's promises, he will overcome. All through the series on the temptations of Christ, the testing of Christ in the wilderness, we've been noticing there's a battle of two kingdoms, isn't there? Two kinds of king expressed so visually and, and visibly and deliberately by Matthew between Pilate, symbolizing all of worldly power, the Roman Empire, and Jesus, the suffering servant. The one spoken about in Isaiah 53, that, that bit of the Old Testament scripture that doesn't get read in Jewish synagogues. The suffering servant. We know that there's going to come a power battle later this week when Jesus stands silent before all the accusers and Pilate the one who's meant to have the power, the, men, the one who's meant to have the worldly, the, the world's kingdom power, is, of course, actually powerless. He's, he's a puppet at the mercy of the forces that are at move this week. Jesus is the one who stands silent but has the real power because he's the one who's chosen. He's the one who's chosen this. For you, for me. See, because of the cross, hope walks with us. In Christ, Jesus is traveling with us through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit with us now. God's purposes are never thwarted. Hope is built into the DNA of creation, says one writer. And so here's the challenge, isn't there? The challenge of this week. The challenge not to leap to Easter Sunday too quickly. Because yes, we can have some chocolate. Yes, Nikki will allow me to have one glass of wine. In our bit of the amazing family, with all its odd cousins and uncles and aunts in Christianity... In our charismatic, evangelical way, we love to sing about resurrection. We love to get there. Good, sun, uh, good Friday, um, Easter Sunday's coming. It is. It really is. That is the hope. That is the new life that we share. But we just need to do Easter week, don't we? We need to journey with the one who journeys with us, the way of the cross.